Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novic. I'm an associate professor of law. And hello, everybody. It's August and Grumpy GDPR is back. Me and Ria are grumpier than ever, I feel. I don't know. I feel that way. Oh, don't say that. But it's so good. I'm grumpy because it's been too long. Yes, me too. Me too. You know what? Uh, I am grumpy because of that, but I'm also grumpy because so much has happened. There is <laughs> yeah. no such thing as vacation in the GDPR world, apparently. Absolutely not, which is a shame because uh, many people aren't aware of this, but uh, the entire country of Norway comes to a complete standstill during the entire month of July and you can do pretty much uh, nothing. Or I'm exaggerating, but people are so surprised visiting from abroad and they come here and they're like, there's nothing going on. Well, where, where is everyone? No, everyone is on vacation, except for us. No, 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 please. And except for Gastius, you know, the Norwegian <laughs> Supervisory Authority, which did actually work <laughs> mid-July. But we are going to talk about yeah. that one a bit later. So, yes, this has been an exciting uh, summer for data protection. And uh, I think the biggest news is about transfers. Yay! And I was shocked to hear, uh, I think it was yesterday, somebody said... He had been on vacation and he came back realizing that the data privacy framework has been approved. So now we are back to legally transferring personal data to the US for certified American companies. And I was astonished to hear that he hadn't uh, heard about that because this happened on the 10th of July. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And, you know, I feel like even when you're on a vacation, you keep scrolling and uh, inevitably when something GDPR related pops up, you just have to click on it. This is our filter yeah. bubble. You know, these are the dark patterns of the GDPR. But yes, <laughs> it is possible, therefore, to transfer data to the United States. Finally, uh, I would put five question marks or disclaimers before that. Yay, though, right? Um, Absolutely, because of course, Neub and Max Schrems uh, published an article, I think, uh, the, the next day, European Commission gives EU-US data transfers third round at uh, the Court of Justice. Yes. So we know it's inevitable. We're going to have another case before the Court of Justice, and we know how that's likely to end up, right? But, but is it a given that it goes to the uh, Court of Justice? Could it be refused in some way? I don't, I, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they could decide, decline to hear the case or national courts might decide not to refer it. Um, but I do believe it's eventually going to end up there. But in any yeah. case, you know, be that as it may, uh, this is general, like there is this general sentiment of, yay, we're good to go, uh, with which I fundamentally disagree um, for several reasons. So mm -hmm. two things come to mind. The first one being, well, not every company in the U.S. is certified, which was obviously, you know, uh, something that we had before as well. Uh, but then you need to do your whole uh, transfer impact assessment and go through the whole thing. And the second one uh, is... Uh, uh, why would you do that? If you do the SECs? Yeah, if you do the SECs, but not if you rely on the framework. Yeah, but that's what I meant. Not every company oh, is certified. Yeah. yeah, right. 
And, uh, and then the second thing is, come on, the U.S. is not the entire world. And there are so many processing operations happening in so many different places, important places, places with lots of IT infrastructure. Uh, inevitably, some of the U.S. companies uh, who are importing data there are going to have subcontractors in those countries. So what are we celebrating exactly? We are celebrating the fact that a lot of businesses and organizations are relying on U.S.-based uh, companies. I mean, there's no other country in the world, I is my guess, that has the most data processing, the biggest players, the biggest cloud providers. So in that sense, I think this is a huge relief for those who haven't managed to switch to European-based hosting or found it to be inadequate, for example, for security reasons or there could be several other reasons uh, why people haven't switched from US-based tech. Yeah, so we meet in the middle, right? It's a relief, but it's not a huge relief. It doesn't solve the shrimps to uh, problems, quote-unquote. Well, for a while it does indeed. Uh, I'd say we, of course, we know that uh, there this is going to be brought before the Court of Justice again. As you say, most likely it uh, it's going to go through a third round um, because the the pain point that Noi points at is the problem with FISA seven hundred two mm. that that hasn't been resolved. So. Um, yeah, it's right. and I also see on LinkedIn some people saying that you it's still not good enough the framework itself and they think they claim that you still can't rely on the big cloud providers. And I have to say that I I appreciate the different viewpoint but it the matter of fact is that we do have an adequacy decision for exactly. the US. We do have the data privacy framework right. and stating that is actually wrong and it's a bit of scaremongering it's not just wrong it's fundamentally wrong yeah it is and i you know i haven't read their entire report on this yet but uh let's look at the facts here the european commission has approved this decision there is no doubt there's no discussion around this anymore we have to accept it whether we like it or not and what we'll have to do now is just wait and see if it goes to the Court of Justice, because the Court of Justice is the the ultimate deciding factor for this uh, going forward. Let's wait and see. In the meantime, as I've said, let's not forget all the other countries. And to that extent, there is actually a case which uh, you told me about. Uh, yeah. Yes, there was another third country, which has been a lot in the media recently. Uh, yeah. And there was a Norwegian case about data transfers. Can you tell a bit more? Yeah, sure. And this uh, happened only yesterday. And I have to say, I, I think the um, Norwegian DPA is really starting to show some uh, interesting muscles here, uh, I'd say. We'll come back to the other part of this. But they banned the... Uh, processing of personal data for the purpose of transferring personal data of Norwegian people to Russia through the use of the taxi app Django. And Django is being used in Norway and in Finland, and evidently they have their offices in the Netherlands, but they're connected to Russia and transfer personal data to Russia. And there's a new law 
taking effect on the 1st of September in Russia that pretty much gives uh, the security uh, over there just broad access to all of this data. So let's uh, think about that for a, for a second because I think this is so... Conse- it's huge mm. because if you think of the people... In Finland and Norway, for example, diplomats taking a cab here and there. And then you have certain data, travel patterns, etc., credit card use, that's being sent to uh, the security authorities in Russia. Mm. I mean, people talk about the US, and I will come back to that, but this, I believe, is what I deem high-risk processing, or high-risk for the data subjects, for the people involved. Exactly. And I think that this kind of decisions are actually very important, regardless of the facts. I think that saying the laws of this country are not, uh, quote unquote, good enough uh, Mm. is actually an important type of decision because then it certainly helps data controllers kind of carry out their own assessments. Uh, So, you know, they can look up to the authorities and say, well, the authorities have held that this country uh, is not that it's not possible, for example, to implement additional measures here. Yeah. So that and it'll is- be exciting to see what comes out of this. I have a small correction on what I said because they only intend to ban the processing and suspending the transfers to Russia. So it hasn't actually taken effect yet. And they, uh, Django has until the 14th of August to provide any comments and feedback. So, yeah, let's see. That is going to be exciting. And all of this talk of transfers and this summer got me thinking about uh, being international, you know, uh, international stuff and international cooperation then. And we have had some major developments here uh, in Norway, which are going to be significant, I feel, across different member states, because the Norwegian DPA has actually decided to exercise its powers in the urgency procedure and to come with a temporary ban against uh, Facebook's or Meta's use of personal data, uh, which can be valid for three months, uh, upon the breach of which there will be one uh, million knock or Norwegian crown fine per day, if I recall correctly. Do I recall the facts, yeah. right? Yeah. So what is super interesting here is how this whole thing developed. And I'm going to bore everybody with a few dates. Uh, But I think we just have to look into this and get some background. So all of our listeners remember probably what we've discussed uh, many times and with uh, quite a few people, actually. Uh, We've had the Irish DPC joining in on discussion. But uh, we all know that Irish uh, DPC is responsible or is handling the the uh, main supervisory authority for Meta. And we all know that EDPB... Uh, issued its binding decisions and that therefore the Data Protection Commission also issued its decision in MetaCase in December of 2022. Now that decision banned Mm -hmm. Facebook from using contractual necessity as legal grounds for processing of personal data. So basically, based on ADPB stance, DPC comes with its decision, final decision on December 31st. See, again, no day yeah. no day of rest, December 31st. <laughs> exactly. Like, all the holidays, what's going on here? Yeah, right. 
Then, as with any kind of um, administrative procedure, people have the time to actually comply, to show and demonstrate their compliance. So Facebook is given a period of time. I don't know Irish law, so I don't know how that operates, but they naturally um, need some time to be able to demonstrate that they have implemented the measures and that they are complying with that decision. And indeed, Facebook does so, and they change their processing as not to be based on contractual necessity, but rather legitimate interest. They do that in April, on 5th of April, and then the Irish DPC immediately uh, starts looking into this case, right? Have you actually complied yeah. with our decision not to rely on contractual necessity? Facebook says, yes, we have. Here is um, how we've switched to legitimate interest. And then the Irish DPC takes it from there and starts talking with other authorities and the trouble starts then yeah so i think it's very interesting because at that stage uh the irish dpc communicates with all the other authorities they send out these letters they give them the concerned authorities time to reply one month which is a reasonable period of time and then they make their own decision their decision is made on uh, 11th of july so the deadline for public consultations was the uh, 5th, if I recall correctly, of May. Then the Irish DPC uh, took all of those uh, comments from different supervisory authorities into account, waited for the Court of Justice judgment on 4th of July, and on 11th came with its own decision on whether or not Facebook's switch from legitimate interest, uh, sorry, from contractual necessity to mm -hmm. legitimate interest was actually then um, compliance uh, can be considered compliance with the decision uh, made yeah. in December. So that was a very long way of just saying, yes, uh, Facebook tried to demonstrate compliance, removed contractual necessity, switched to legitimate interest, and Irish DPC tried to confirm whether or not this was legal. So on the 11th of July, they sent out reports to other supervisory authorities uh, which are confidential, so we don't know what those preliminary decisions or preliminary findings say. Um, and then, magically, on 14th of July, the Norwegian DPA starts the uh, urgency procedure, issues its own decision. So basically, Norwegian DPA says whatever the Irish DPA concluded on legitimate interest, it was too slow, it was too little, we believe this puts yeah. people at risk. What are your thoughts about all this drama, about the deadlines and about who waited for whom and about legitimate interest and about is there high risk for people in Norway right now? Oh my gosh, where do I even start? What a question, Milos. Oh. Let's start with the drama. Well, the first, the drama. Let's start with the drama. I think it is such a shame that we had to witness this drama on a European regulatory level because it's a bit embarrassing, I think, to be honest, that you have this battle yeah. between the DPAs and you have this one DPA fighting against the rest and it's um, almost feeling like it's... Uh, becoming like a purist versus pragmatist kind of battle. So I think that's a shame for the GDPR and for enforcement in general. I think it proves that the uh, one-stop shop doesn't really work as intended. I, I think yeah. it's, um, yeah, I think it's highly problematical. 
I think it definitely is. Resorting to an urgency procedure in a case like this, I find it to be deeply questionable and I find it to be undermining the one-stop shop. Uh, so here mm. are my thoughts. Right. You have a decision which says contractual necessity is illegal. You have Facebook, which then says, okay, we've switched to legitimate interest. You have another authority, the authority which is supposed to be deciding, which asks everyone, okay, what do you think? Makes their own decision. And then you have a Norwegian supervisory authority saying, you know what, we know this is exactly not within our competence, but we think it's so urgent that we have to say that legitimate interest is not appropriate. Again, remember the original decision, the decision made in December, the decision that uh, was actually uh, um, kind of uh, subject to the EDPB um, proceedings, had nothing mm -hmm. to do with legitimate interest, right? So, yeah. so what gives? Like, but isn't um, how how do you uh, see the switching of legal grounds? Because shouldn't that be that that shouldn't be possible as per the GDPR anyway. You're not supposed to be able to switch legal grounds. And uh, there is some debate to that. We need an episode on that as well. But because yeah, I like, think we should is, because it's uh, why not? If it says yeah. that you can have several legal grounds, what's to stop you? Yeah, but not for the same processing operation. You only mm -hmm. have one legal basis for each processing operation, and because you can't rely it on two at the same time. Well, from what I recall, Article Six says if any of the following, but there is lots of debate about this. I don't, I don't want to to get into it right right now. Oh, uh, that's one to note. Uh, I, I will make a note of that. Yeah, definitely. So for the same purpose, yeah. Okay, we'll we'll get back there. But uh, just thinking back uh, to the original discussion, um, I don't remember what the original discussion was. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's go uh, on with the, your question about how do I feel about all of this. And you said that you think it's deeply questionable to act in the way that the Norwegian DPA did. And I have to say, again, when it comes to anything Facebook, Meta or Google related, I'm so conflicted. I'm so conflicted. And we'll, I think we'll have to touch upon the Google Analytics decision from the Norwegian DPA as well for Telenor. Because... I think we need to separate between those evils of the world that we tend to treat them as, the meta and the Google, versus the enforcement of the GDPR that could have such repercussions for the all the other tens and hundreds uh, of thousands of controllers and processors out there. So if the intention, which it really feels to me like sometimes that the intention is just to pursue these evils of the world, leveraging the GDPR to go after them. I don't feel, you know, this is pure speculation from my side. This is purely my personal view. But it feels to me that this is like a battle of that instead of enforcing the GDPR as it was intended. Do you, yeah. do you see where I'm coming from? I could actually hug you right now. Like, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree 1000%. This is uh, this is really messy. And I think we've been saying that, right? The Court of Justice and the DPAs, they do the right thing. They want to stop Facebook from using, say, contractual necessity. But what does that then do for not even just carpenters, but for small, medium businesses, large yeah. businesses? So it's really deeply short-sighted to use GDPR to solve what is in essence 
a problem, uh, a bit a business model type of problem, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Ban the business model. And we have the same from Sweden with the Bonnier decision that we will also dedicate its separate episode. We'll have the Swedish decisions Bonanza in a follow-up episode because they also had four hugely interesting Google Analytics cases that I so want to discuss with you. So I, I coming back to where I'm conflicted, I just have to say that that is one part of it that I, I see where they're coming from. And I support the idea that we need to do something about how Google and Meta and Amazon and Microsoft kind of owns the data world to such a big degree, which is super problematic. But I don't think that the way we're going with the GDPR enforcement is the right way to do it. Well, in all fairness, there will be new uh, new regulation coming, the DSA, the DMA and everything there. But there should be something uh, data protection specific uh, related to uh, that type of, uh, let's say, online uh, profiling or sorry, behavioral ads. Like just make a special regulation and leave the GDPR alone. Yeah, that could be on yeah. my sign, leave the GDPR alone. Uh, yeah, but come on, it's at the same time I'm thinking... Uh, did you see that update that the Norwegian DPA posted? Like, these are all the upcoming regulations and stuff that we have to pay attention to. You have the AI Act and DSA and DMA and cybersecurity resilience, all of those things. It is absolutely mind-blowing. How are we supposed to keep up? And I think, doesn't the, uh, doesn't the EU have anything else to do than push out the new directive, new regulation, new act? Like, it's insane and i think that it's a missed opportunity not to leverage the regulations that we already have in place and also that being said even though we're going ahead with the dsa i think that's a missed opportunity for really trying to stop some of this invasive processing by the googles and the metas and mm. the uh, yeah the rest of them but I do have I do have to ask. So drama aside, as I said, uh, we have a decision on the 11th of July by the Irish DPC, and then we have Norwegian ban on the 14th of July, um, a decision purely based on legitimate interest. Now, do you really believe, and this is a charged question, but do you really believe that an urgency mechanism uh, meant to last for no longer than three months, that the uh, presence of Facebook in Norway creates such yeah. a high risk to data subjects that uh, that this had to be done. Uh, I'm conflicted on this too, because on one side, I think it is refreshing to see that somebody is putting their foot down and saying that enough is enough now something has to happen because it's been delayed, it's been delayed and it's going on for forever. That said, though, I, I if you look at the risk, so I think we need to focus more on context and risk when it comes to personal data protection. And Facebook has been doing this for how many years? Mm. On Instagram, on Facebook, Meta is, they have been doing this for a long time. Is it really that urgent right now? Uh, no, I don't think so, considering that we have this long history of this uh, processing taking place. And the, um, the other thing is that if you look at the actual risk, 
you know, I hate surveillance-based advertising. Mm. I really, really hate it. And I wish that it was completely unlawful. So, but still, the, the actual risk looking at it now, if you compare that to the risk of the uh, personal data being sent to Russia on your travel patterns, mm. those are two different things, I feel. Right. And then you have Google Analytics as well. Yes, on some websites, it might pose a risk, but on Telenor's website, let me just um, read something from that decision. We are switching a bit here, but I just have to get this off my chest. And I posted on this uh, on LinkedIn as well. So using Google Analytics can have, in this context, on the Telenor Telecom's website, uh, typically business to business, can have unlikely unanticipated or unwanted consequences for individuals. Blah, blah, blah. It's being transferred to the US where it can be subject to US intelligence surveillance. This type of processing is intrusive, uncomfortable, and is likely to substantially affect the data subjects. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. Wait. So on that, uh, I know I keep saying we need to do an episode. By this stage, it's exhausting to listen to me saying that. But this is actually super important to follow up uh, upon because uh, in the decision that we will talk in our Swedish Bonanza episode, uh, the Bon, I don't know if it should be pronounced in a French way. I want to say Bonnier. Uh, yeah, no. French, right. <laughs> uh, the uh, basically the DPA also said a very similar thing. Like, you know what? There is no legitimate interest because uh, data subjects will feel monitored, or cannot reasonably expect uh, yeah. to be profiled. And then the Court of Justice, in what I will argue another context, basically says when people start using Facebook, they cannot expect to be shown personalized ads. And I mean, really. Really? Now what they say yeah, is without... Yeah, I kind of agree with that. What? Yeah, because there's a difference between personalized ads based on everything that you do, every little click, every little comment that have, can have a cooling effect as well, which is hugely problematic in a democratic society versus just being shown ads that you can even go and tailor yourself. If people really wanted personalized advertising, they could do that themselves. I mean, uh, take, for example, that you check out, like I uh, was uh, looking into travel backpacks the other mm-hmm. day. And then what do you think happens? That Which is exactly what happened 10 years ago. I purchased a bloody backpack and it follows me around everywhere. So it doesn't even work. But you do reasonably expect... Yeah, because I work in data protection. But I do this test whenever I speak to somebody I don't know, for example, or go to uh, to have a massage, to go to uh, the hairdresser. I ask them, How, do you, uh, uh, did you know that you had entered into a contract with Facebook? What? Uh, no contract? What are you talking about? Are you aware that you have signed a contract with Facebook, allowing them to monitor everything that you do on Facebook? People say no, Milos. It's like, it's not that uh, straightforward. And I don't buy that uh, claim that everybody knows that you're going to be, you're being monitored. Newsletter analytics. So many people, I've asked them about this exact thing as well. Are you aware that uh, these sports chains or whoever can see what you have clicked on? What? 
uh, how can they do that? I think we just think that it, we yeah, are so it uh, that everybody that is. It could be that I'm biased because to me it just seems so obvious that everybody knows. You know, uh, I can use Facebook, but then uh, they will know. Like uh, they will know what I'm doing. Their goal is to process my data. I just thought everybody knew that. No, I, I strongly disagree with that notion because this is, and you know, you can have one study showing that everybody is aware and another study says that uh, nobody is aware. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. But I have been surprised because I've done this since December. I ask random people, are you aware of this? And uh, I, I can say every single person that doesn't work in our field have been surprised. Yeah, somebody needs to start writing better privacy policies. Haha. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, look. <laughs> but just to go full circle on that, uh, my um, because this, of course, sparked another debate on LinkedIn about the use of Google Analytics. Yes, uh, let if the if we are thinking about the evils of the world. Are fine. I do agree personally that it's highly problematic and I wish that all surveillance-based advertising would be absolutely unlawful everywhere. But this was a decision aimed at Telenor and Telenor's use of Google Analytics on their B2B website. If you think Google is the problem, you need to regulate Google. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but wait, you say you want uh, surveillance-based ads to be banned, but aren't they virtually at this stage? Because you can't use legitimate interest, apparently. You cannot rely on contractual necessity. And if you use consent, then you cannot, uh, obviously, you can't, um, of, you must be able to offer the same service, everything we talked about, right? You cannot. Why can't you use consent? Consent, because if people decline to give consent, then you would have to show non-personalized ads, right? Yeah. And why wouldn't people consent? Hmm. That's a good question. What do you do if nobody consents? Okay, the, uh, we have taken the, the surveillance-based uh, discussion way... No, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that if you don't yeah. mind. Most people say... Uh, that support surveillance-based or personalized ads or uh, online behavioral ads, they say that uh, it's, no, we can't use consent because nobody will. And that kind of backs up my entire point that, okay, if people don't want to consent, why is that? I'm speechless. You know, this is <laughs> sometimes I need like, um, you know, those situations where like you'll be taking a shower and then you will think I, I should have said this. <laughs> you have just created one of those <laughs> situations for me. But Ria, yeah, I made you speechless. We've talked for 30 minutes and I feel like we've talked oh about gosh. so many different things. Uh, I think yeah. uh, what we need to do is slowly wrap it up. Any last things to get off your chest? Yes, uh, I have created my own uh, one-stop shop for everything EU-US data privacy framework. So I have it on my LinkedIn profile under articles and it's also on the website. So I think uh, we've promised to talk about many things in the future and uh, I think that exciting things are coming along. Uh, I've missed doing this and I'm yeah. super happy that we're back. Yeah, me too. And if anybody has any requests for stuff for us to be grumpy about please do send it to either Milos or myself or both always ready to be grumpy Yay. goodbye take care
Thanks. Bye-bye.